0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Dine Sports Podcast on the Dine Sports Podcast Network. It is Thursday, August 3rd. NFL football is back. So we're bringing in Devin Gallant from DinesPressBox.com to sit down with us and go through each division as we make predictions of who's going to be the doormats of the group, who's going to emerge victorious, big wins, surprise champions, and more. It's our 2023 NFL season preview episode. Let's get right into it. We officially have NFL football ready to go tonight. The Hall of Fame game between the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns kicks off later this evening. Figured what better time than now to bring over our fantasy football guru and contributor at dinespressbox.com, Devin, for a quick State of the Union. Going to make some predictions on all of the divisions. Devin, thanks for taking some time for us, bud.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on again. Glad to be here. I just want to know if you have registered for your Taylor Swift tickets yet.
0: Oh well, there you go. That was the other big news that dropped today there for all of those north of the border. Uh Taylor Swift seems to be actually moving in to the Rogers Center in yeah. Toronto six days or six nights. I think it's actually spread out over like nine days or something like that. But uh yeah, T Swift coming north of the border. So we can put down our pitchforks for, her, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's finally here. But uh yeah, also there's football today, so really, really great day.
0: Well, it's not too often you get excited about the New York Jets and Cleveland Browns squaring off, but hey, we'll we'll take anything we can get at this point when it comes to NFL football. So if we're going to be talking Jets, we might as well start with the AFC East. And so for those that are listening, essentially the parameters of this is we are going to be actually running through each division and we're going to be trying to figure out who's going to finish first, second, third, and fourth. We're not so much worried about records. We're not trying to, you know, oh, so-and-so is going to go 14-3 and three or anything like that. But at the end of the day, we're going to try and see who's going to be the division champions and who's going to be the doormats of each division. So who are you liking in the AFC East when you're looking at the Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, and Jets in 2023?
1: Uh, this, to me, was one of the easier ones to pick a winner. After that, between Miami and New York, it's kind of a toss-up. But yeah, Buffalo is is just the best team in this division they should have probably have no problem taking care of it yet again this year
0: yeah and again too you know buffalo an interesting off season in terms of you know sitting on a jet ski and getting rammed and you know Naheem Hines is now out for the year so some freak injuries on that front you know some people did kind of chalk up that they didn't have exactly have a splashy free agency but that also speaks to how complete this team is they didn't have a ton of glaring holes that they needed to go out and shore up in a bad way and you know they they addressed the tight end position in the draft and he could be someone who if you're big into fantasy football there Kincaid could be you know someone who racks up some quite a few red zone looks as well too, you know, and I think they are going to be a very, very tough team to beat. I'm right there with you. I think Buffalo takes it. I I think the division is probably a little bit more competitive than, you know, some outsiders might give them credit for a lot of that competition though, is going to come down to how healthy is Tua this year. Can he stay on the field for a full season? Are we going to see, you know, knock on every piece of wood? Cause I, I would hate for his career to be ended so early, but, let's call it what it is. If this kid takes another concussion this year, he's got to take a long, hard look in the mirror and start putting his own personal health first here. So that's one thing to watch. And then as well, too, you know, Aaron Rodgers joining the division, the Jets, their defense is legit. But what kind of version are we going to get from Rodgers here, right? Is it going to be you know, the back-to-back MVP version, or is it going to be sort of what we saw down the stretch last year as Green Bay kind of crashed and burned towards the second half of the season?
1: Yeah, it's it's such a toss-up with what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. I mean, he was great with Nathaniel Hackett as his coordinator in Green Bay, but Hackett flamed out horribly in Denver. So maybe, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from Aaron Rodgers. He's obviously getting up there in age. They don't really, like, they kind of did everything they could to make him happy. They brought over Cobb and Lazard and all his guys that he wanted, but, like, does that really make a good wide receiving core behind Garrett Wilson? Um, They don't seem confident in Brees Hall's health. They really are determined to sign another big-name veteran, Um, so where he is at is kind of questionable. I mean, they still have a really good defense with Sauce Gardner and Quentin Williams, but I just I can't get behind Aaron Rodgers. So I'm banking on Tua's health and that track team of an offense just winning enough games to to finish second ahead of the Jets.
0: Yeah. And that that's sort of where I'm falling as well, too. It's a bit of a coin flip for me. I, I think I'm gonna give a little bit of the edge just to, you know, if the Jets can stay healthy, that defense is legit. And, you know, even if we do kind of get that floor version of Aaron Rodgers can that get them to 10 wins? Probably. So I, I think, you know, even if they go 10 and seven, just because it is going to be a lot of these, you know, four teams beating up on themselves. And mm-hmm. based on what I'm hearing from you, I think we're in agreement. We were both picking the Patriots to kind of finish last here in this division, but Even them, you know, they're frisky enough against these other three teams. You know, I'm not going to go out there and pick them to beat the Eagles or anything or the Chiefs, but they know these three franchises well enough that they're going to be able to at least, you know, put up a fight and be in some close games against them. So uh, I really do think whoever can get to 10 wins behind Buffalo probably comes in second place. I'm leaning slightly towards the Jets, which is why I'm kind of going Bills, Jets, Dolphins, Pat's. Would I be surprised if, you know, two wild card teams came out of this division, though? Not at all either.
1: Yeah, I really think we're going to get two wild cards out of here. And like you said, like Bill Belichick is going to have his team ready. They're going to fight every single game. They're not going to get blown out, but like, I mean, their wide receiver core is Juju Smith Schuster, Devontae Parker, Tyquan and Kendrick Byrne. Like, yeah. who is? It? No one cares about them. They're going to be in every game, but they're going to get a handful of wins. Yeah.
0: Well, the one wrinkle that could slightly elevate slightly, you know, give an edge to one of these teams. And, you know, I I only say slightly because I I think the incumbent starters on all of these teams are kind of set. So it's more of a complimentary role, but I mean, pretty much everyone in this division has hosted a big name free agent running back at some point. They haven't announced any signings, at least as of this recording that we're doing right now. But, you know, Ezekiel Elliott was making the rounds out in Foxborough. He had dinner with Mac Jones. Bill Belichick was calling every Cowboys staffer he could find to get the, you know, 411 on him. And you know Dalvin Cook could be going up to New York and as well too he's always been linked a little bit to Miami so there's a lot of things that could still happen that could shape these rosters a little bit and i think we're probably seeing a little bit of that process playing out whereby these teams they've just maybe taken some late round flyers on some non sexy named Running backs at the draft, and you know, undrafted free agents. Let's take a look at them, see if we've caught lightning in a bottle or something here. But as training camp wears on, you'll probably see these running back rooms start to take shape a little bit more. And maybe we do see that big name signing, or even you know, a cream hunt or something like that all of a sudden gets parachuted in. So that's one little wrinkle to keep an eye on. But yeah, I think it's going to be a long year in Foxborough, and uh, you know, the Patriots it's not smart money to bet against bill belichick but at the same time too like the writing's kind of on the wall here that this roster is just not the same as the other three teams in the division
1: yeah they're just really devoid of talent and i do actually think i think zeke will end up in new england i think the work he does in like pass blocking situations and like all the little details he does so well that Bill is just going to absolutely fall in love with him on the field, which is really going to hurt Romney Stevenson's fantasy value. I think a lot of people are pretty high on him this year, but I really think Bill's going to find a veteran. Uh, Stevenson has a little bit of the fumbleitis, So I think Zeke might step in and really take a lot of, a lot of oomph out of Stevenson's season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. could be very similar to, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in Cleveland in years past there where, they could end up being two viable running backs, but it's, you know, who do you start week in week out there? Because either one of them could be that goal line work guy. And like you said, maybe it's Stevenson between, you know, 80 yards of the field. But that last 20 is, is where you see kind of that steady dose of Elliott and, you know, goal line vultures, because although his yards per carry has fallen off a cliff, I mean, you even wrote it in one of your articles there, like short yardage is where he's, getting his bread buttered of late and so if you need a one yard punch in you know even at an advanced age Ezekiel Elliott is still a fairly effective back in that regard so it, it could be interesting to see what happens but I I think yeah these teams aren't set in stone is essentially what I'm getting at and we could be seeing some premium names getting added there yeah I
1: think as training camp shape up I think there's going to be a few more names available that just get cut by teams mostly for financial reasons but there's definitely some more movement to be happening in this division
0: yeah so we'll head out west next so afc west you got chiefs chargers raiders and broncos and uh we were just talking about how aaron Rodgers, uh you know went out to the new york jets and he was none too pleased about new uh broncos head coach sean payton kind of spouting off about nathaniel hackett and i mean on the one hand is Is anything he said wrong (laughs) no that that was not a a great job that Hackett did out there on the other hand you know you really don't see coaches doing that too often at least with active coaches or you know there were quite a few people who threw Urban Meyer under the bus there but I, I mean he he kind of did that himself whereas Hackett You know, it it wasn't the same thing that led to his dismissal there in Denver. So were you uh, thinking he was out of pocket for that one? Or did you like what he had to say?
1: Oh, I loved it. I thought Hackett did an awful job last year. and I mean, anytime you can get like a coach saying something different than the usual, like whatever, like, you know, anytime Dan Campbell speaks, you're getting something different from what you hear from every other single coach. This time of year, every player is in the best shape of their life. They're looking great. Blah blah blah. Sure, like say something different. Say what's on your mind. I I, I really don't mind it.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, Dan Campbell wants to get live lions on the sidelines for his practices there. So letters on my
1: notes about the lions. There's no way we're not bringing that up. Yeah. I can't wait for that.
0: <laughs> but. On the sideline. Oh my god, just just wild, but. I mean, AFC West, is anyone going to dethrone KC this year in your mind? Is this the year we, we finally see someone get over the hump? Or is the uh, Andy Reid show just going to keep on churning out uh, wins out in Kansas City this year?
1: They have one of the worst wide-receiving groups in the league, and they're still going to just dominate this division. I have no doubt about that. They're going to make either Kadarius Tony or Valdez Scantley or somehow Rasheed Rice... Or even Justin Ross, a superstar week-to-week. Kelsey's going to rack up 150 yards and four touchdowns a game. Pacheco and Clyde zaldor give enough in the run game that defenses have to play them honestly. And Mahomes will just do Mahomes things. They're going to win another 14 games this year. I don't doubt that at all.
0: Uh, Wow. Four touchdowns a game there. So you're saying uh, first overall fantasy pick there.
1: (laughs) I would say, yeah. Uh.
0: But, uh, I mean, to your point, right? Like, this is what everyone said last year, right? Tyreek Hill is leaving them. There's going to be a drop-off. And what does Patrick Mahomes end up doing? He goes out and leads the league in passing with 5,200 yards. So, it's he is absolutely roster-proof, Patrick Mahomes. He's going to find ways to get the ball into his playmaker's hands, and he's going to find ways to be able to move that offense and keep them humming at a pretty high pace. One thing I did find a little bit interesting is, uh, I don't know how many of the you know tapes you've seen from practice or that but uh Travis Kelsey seems to be uh pretty fired up in training camp to say the least I think he's gotten in like three fights at this point and to the point where he actually had to address the media and I need to be a better leader and all that so he's certainly not coming in it it wouldn't seem like any kind of Super Bowl hangover he's full of piss and vinegar right now yeah
1: I don't know if like he heard that people are talking that he's getting older and he's gonna get ready to slow down but I just don't see it like the dude's never missed a game, like in his whole career. I think maybe like one or two or something, but he's just always ready to go. He's not going to slow down until he just falls completely off a cliff yeah. and just, like keep drafting him until that happens.
0: Yeah, well, that's just it, right? Is that uh, with a lot of these premier tight ends, uh, it's not a graceful, you know, fall from the the mountaintop. There, it's usually like all pro all pro all pro unrosterable in fantasy right like we saw it with Gronk we saw it with Antonio Gates like the you know the production just falls off a cliff eventually because all those hits across the middle eventually catch up with them but is this the year it's going to happen I, I don't think so I think he's got a little bit longer left in the tank but that begs the question then who who's going to finish second in this division um
1: I still have the Broncos in the bottom. I don't think Sean Payton is going to move the needle that much for this team. I like what he said. Uh, I think he had a really, really good roster for years in New Orleans, and he's been out of the league for too long. I just don't see him doing enough with uh, Russell Wilson to actually improve that team. The Raiders are going to struggle going from Jimmy or Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think, kind of by default, the Chargers end up in second uh they have justin herbert who wins them eight games alone if keenan allen mike williams can actually somewhat stay healthy they have a really great receiving core there's a super flawed roster but just in that division i think they're just above where the raiders and broncos are
0: yeah. And you know, we, we had Andy Phillips on the uh, podcast a few weeks ago there, whose uh book uh, about the NFL draft there. And he, I asked him, you know, who, is there any teams that tend to have like some major tendencies? And his answer was like, the chargers are very much like the Los Angeles Clippers of the NFL, where they're just kind of in the shadow of the, the Rams all the time. So they usually hit on those first rounders, but beyond that, right? Like it, it, very much is high profile names that if they get injured there's not a lot of depth behind them right so uh, that's why everyone always gets so excited about the chargers in preseason and then the season starts wearing on and then you remember oh yeah okay the chargers are gonna charger and this is how they end up you know (laughs) shooting themselves in the foot in the playoffs or missing the playoffs altogether so i i think as well too you know it's probably gonna be chargers number two um I think they're going to be feistier than maybe some people are thinking. I think they'll push the Chiefs this year. I think the Chiefs will ultimately win the division. Uh, Who knows? Maybe it'll be a classic Chargerism down the last two weeks of the season. And, you know, maybe they blow some winnable games or something like that. Uh, But I, I think they're probably more in that, you know, 12 13 win range there uh, than they are closer to the 10 and seven team that they went last year. So I think they're, they're we're going to see a slight bump in them. Who knows what that means for their playoff odds here? Because until I start seeing them actually win playoff games, I refuse to believe it because it's so infrequent in our lifetime. But yeah. I, I'm going to flip the Broncos and Raiders. I, I think the Raiders are going to be a train wreck this year, especially I, I, I lean towards Jacob suiting up. But if he doesn't, it's it's Devonte Adams against the world offensively, and on the mm. defensive side of things, you got essentially Max Crosby, and that's about it. They've got arguably one of the worst secondaries in the entire NFL, and in the division that you're in, right against Herbert twice, against Mahomes twice. Even if Russell Wilson gets fifty percent better than he was last last year, he's going to carve up that secondary. So, I think they could be in for some real real trouble this year, and if things start going off the rails, it, you know, McDaniels and co. might be uh packing their bags by the end of the season. So, I'm going to go Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders for the AFC West.
1: I mean, I will give the Broncos credit. They did uh, some really good work improving their offensive line this year. Um, they signed Ben Powers and McGlinchey. Um, I think Javante Williams, like all reports are, he is fully back at training camp, and I am so sold on that dude. Like he is such a stud. So uh, I can, I can see a world where the Broncos do pass the Raiders. I just, I don't know. I like Adams, Renfro, Jacoby Myers as a trio at wide receivers. I think they'll do enough for Jimmy to get the ball off. I think there's an 85% chance Jacobs is suiting up week one. I don't really see much of a world where he's not there. Um, they also added Tyree Wilson at seventh overall. So if his foot injury, they have a little more pass rush. But yeah, their secondary sucks. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be blown away if the Broncos passed the Raiders. And I'm, just, I'm just not willing to bet on Sean Payton yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think very much so, you know, Sean Payton is a lot of bluster, right? He he's very media savvy. He spent, you know, a couple seasons in the media, so he knows how that works. So exactly. he, he's fully aware of you know what's going to generate sound bites and whatnot. And uh no no one will be uh accusing him of having a small head walking into the room. So he he's, he's very high on himself. But the, the way I look at it is pretty simple, right? Like you look at the two rosters, okay. There's a couple upgrades there for Denver that I, I do like. Arguably I downgrade at quarterback because who knows what we're gonna see out of Jimmy uh in you know Las Vegas there. And even if you just look at their rosters, right? Like Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing yards last year, and that put them one win ahead of the Denver Broncos who dominated headlines for being such a train wreck. Like one team won six and 11, the other one went five and 12. So even if they somewhat come back to the median, right. I I see more of a swing for the Broncos and room of to improve versus are the Raiders really better than a six and eleven team? I I don't know. I can see the uh, roadmap for the Broncos to posting another two or three wins there. Again, are they a playoff team? I don't think so. I would be pretty shocked if they came out and you know punched a ticket to the postseason, but you know, I would be far more shocked if the Raiders were the ones that turned it around.
1: Yeah, I think the Raiders' biggest problem is there's they're just slightly too good to tank, but they're mm-hmm. anywhere close to fighting for the playoffs. I think they're over under win total right now. I was at six and a half and I would struggle to convince myself to bet the over. I just kind of feel the Broncos are under that number.
0: No. All Mm -hmm. right. Well, continuing along our tour of the AFC, let's head over to the AFC North where, I mean, a lot of it's going to really depend on how long is Joe Burrow out for, you know, we avoided a massive injury. Everyone thought like, Oh, there goes the ACL done for the year. Calf strain, but those tend to be injuries that can flare up on you know a moment's notice. Even when he does get back on the field, so you know how confident are you in Joe Burrow's lower half holding up for 17 games this season versus Ravens, Steelers, and Browns? Is anyone going to dethrone Cincy in the AFC North?
1: Uh, I I switched them and the Ravens so much when I was doing notes for this, I ended up going with the Bengals. At number one, I do think Burrow will be back in time. He is yet to actually like have a full training camp in his NFL career, yeah. so it's not anything new to him. He's going to be ready for week one, I th- hope. Uh, I think losing Trayvon Williams as their backup running back was going to hurt because Joe Mixon basically has had one fully healthy season. Samadri so Pirine was a big part of that offense last year, so they're going to need to find a solution there. Um, But those receivers are just so good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then they they lost some pieces on defense in Jesse Bates, Vondell, Bell. But they drafted Jordan Battle. Rookie Miles Murphy is going to help with their pass rush, which was just poor last year. I think they kind of maintain status quo. So as long as Burrow is back week one, they should, again, have no problem getting up to 12 wins.
0: Yeah. Well, Uh, again, I I can see a roadmap for both Bengals and Ravens coming out on top there. Uh, I think, you know, this year, if Lamar Jackson is able to stay on the field, uh, I I think it's going to be a classic, you know, all right, we're just going to flip flop every other year. It'll be either Bengals or Ravens until the Steelers or Browns really hit on something, you know, and, and really overhaul their rosters. Cause you look at those two, I, I think they are clearly a level below the Bengals and the Ravens are right now. Steelers if it was any other coach other than Mike Tomlin out there I would say that yep pencil them in for a losing season and you know they're going to be the doormat of the league just based on roster construction alone yeah but part of me just wants to cheer against Deshaun Watson so it's hard for me to uh You know, get behind anything that he's uh, in charge of. So and the other part really is I I kind of think Stefanski and co are on their last leg in Cleveland, where if this isn't a very renewed roster and one that's fighting for the playoffs down the stretch, they could be on the hot seat very early in the season. Like if they struggle out of the gate and, you know, two and five or something like that. Like it, he could be a viable candidate for fo- first coach fired because that's several years now of underperforming. And I mean, they're they're committed to Watson. So there's nothing they can really do on, on that front. So what's the one change he can make? It's going to be the guy holding the clipboard at the side, right? So yeah. I, I'm going to go Ravens, Bengals, Steelers, Browns. But I think that the margin... Or error or difference between the Bengals and the Ravens is so small. So it'll probably be like one win or maybe a tie break that ends up separating them. And then even at the bottom of the division, I don't see a whole lot of separation between the Browns and the Steelers there. So maybe it is again, you know, one win there where one of them goes nine and eight, the other one goes eight and seven or something like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Steelers definitely really improved their offensive line this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can finally actually have some protection for Pickett, maybe get Najee Harris to plod more than three and a half yards a carry. Um, I can see, like like you said, it's Mike Tomlin, so they're still going to, like, you're going to look at the record at the end and be like, what? They had nine wins again? Yeah. like don't know how this team keeps doing it. Uh, I don't think George Pickens is in for a huge year. I really like him. Deontay Johnson can't go another season without catching a touchdown, right? Like. <laughs> just can't can't theory (laughs) the most like targets without a touchdown in nfl history it can't happen again uh in theory yeah uh but yeah cleveland like you i i can't get behind Deshaun watson i think he's his time is done i don't like most of what cleveland does so they'll probably be doing a full reset
0: Yeah, sooner rather than later. So, I mean, it's exactly that, right? Like Steelers, they were five and eight. And then, oh, we're going to win our last four games of the season to get to nine and eight. And and Tomlin lives on, right? So it's
1: keep keep having a winning record. It's what he does.
0: He's just Michael Myers. He just, you know, doesn't matter what he walks through fire, ice, snow, whatever. He's just going to keep on going. So Uh, it's uh, They are going to be one of the more interesting divisions to watch, though. But that being said, you know, if if we don't get, you know, multiple wild cards out of the AFC East, um, I I think AFC North is very much in play to possibly have that multiple wild cards. If the Steelers can flirt with nine or ten, because I I think unlike last year where everyone kind of thought like, okay, this, this is the year where. The, there's going to be parity across the league and whatnot. I, I think we were one year early on that one. I, I really think that the AFC is a lot closer than people are giving it credit for. And when we get over to the NFC, I think there are some clear echelons to legitimate contenders versus can they win a game type thing. Uh, whereas on, on the AFC side of things, I, I I see things being a little bit more of a log jam. And so nine or 10 wins could be legitimately a playoff team. So even if a Steelers team that's barely over 500, they they could be in it right until the very end of the season.
1: Yeah. When you asked me to do this podcast and obviously I started doing some research, I didn't think I would struggle so much with my rankings. Like this was a lot harder to pick than I, like, I thought it would just like, Oh yeah, I know all the divisions. It's easy. And this one was really, really hard. I really wanted to put the Ravens, Above the Bengals. I think the Ravens offense is going to be so exciting to watch. I really believe in Zay Flowers. I think they're doing a lot of the right things getting rid of Greg Roman. Um, But yeah, it's just it's so tough to pick.
0: Yeah. Well, final division in the AFC here. Let's head down to the AFC South. Jags, Titans, Colts, Texans. Bold move by Houston, giving away their first rounder this year because I don't see too many scenarios in which they are not, you know, a bottom five NFL club this year. But hey, you know, D'Amico Ryan's obviously wanted to go out there and get his guy. So kudos to him for making a big swing. But, you know, that wasn't a team that was one player away from suddenly being a viable contender within their division, even as bad as their own division is here, right? And, you know, if you make the argument that, Jonathan Taylor is going to sit out and you've got a rookie quarterback in there, which doesn't have a ton of offensive weapons to begin with. You could have a few really rough looking teams there, especially given the fact that I I struggle to see what Tennessee's doing, right? Like Tannehill and Derrick Henry being in the last year of their contracts, I guess this is their last, you know, kick at the can. And then next year they're fully turning it over. But, you know, going out there and getting DeAndre Hopkins. So now they're not bad enough to bottom out. They're not really good enough to, you know, really, truly compete. They're definitely not a Super Bowl contender. Maybe there's a roadmap for them to squeak into the playoffs with a dismal record. But I mean, to me, this is the Jags division to lose. Like, do you have anyone else above them here?
1: No, it's funny. Right after I said how hard this whole practice was, we got to this division, which was, Just super simple to me. Yeah, Bill is going to clean up this division. The Trevor Lawrence, Doug Pearson combo is here to stay. I think they're going to dominate. Calvin Ridley has looked fantastic. I don't know if you've seen any of his videos in training camp, but that dude is ready to go. And him and Kirk are going to make like a dominant combination at receiver. They somehow figure out how to use Evan Ingram after Mm -hmm. just the most inconsistent human being in the world. Um, dual threat at Etienne and Bigsby at uh, uh, running back. His offense is going to be set for years to come. Uh, Tennessee, like you said, they're kind of in this weird phase. They're like, ah, we guess we don't believe in Traylon Burks, who we, yeah. we traded away AJ Brown to get Traylon Burks, but like, I guess he'll just be our wide receiver too because we need Hopkins. But Mike Rabel is such a good coach that they're going to easily finish second in this division, yeah. and. I actually very much have the Colts at last. I have Houston uh, surpassing the Colts. I think the Colts are going to be god awful. Jim Harsha doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, there's no way he's taking a snap for this team. I think he'll hold out before he takes a snap. Uh, Anthony Richardson, it might take that Josh Allen development path, but it's not going to be this year. Mm-hmm. He's not have any receivers to throw to. Uh, they are going to like Gardner Minshew is going to be taking a lot of snaps for the Colts at some point this year. So Houston kind of settles into that third place just because the Colts are that bad.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think the Titans, like you say, they kind of finish second in spite of their roster, (laughs) but because of the division that they're in. So I, I have kind of the same thing there, except I, I think, I think the Texans are, are going to be right down to the wire with the Colts for for bottom of the division here I I think it's going to be one of those things where just because they traded away that first round pick the The football gods and karma are going to weigh in a little bit and, and they'll end up losing, you know, in, in an extra game that drops them whatever from like eighth overall down to like fourth overall. And then they end up kicking themselves. So uh, I, I think they're obviously an improved team from last year, which isn't saying a whole hell of a lot there, but yeah, uh, I, I struggle to see a roadmap in which, you know, they went three 13 and one last season lost Brandon cooks, Yeah, they added C.J. Stroud. Their defense is still awful. They've got holes all over that offense. Four, five wins at the absolute most is kind of their ceiling here. Can the Colts get there as well, too? I see more of a roadmap than I do with the Texans, at least. Because as bad as the Colts were, and obviously losing J.T. is going to hurt even more, they at least have the blueprints of having decent offensive line couple you know decent players on defense there and jack leonard and they've got some at least building blocks to play with whereas outside of you know D'Amico ryan's signees and draftees there wasn't a whole lot of stuff holding over from the previous regime that they've got to build around because even davis mills he can't be on the field at the same time as cj stroud so It'll be a toss-up between those two, but I, I mean, gun to my head, I'm going to go Jacksonville Titans, Colts, Texans, which is exactly how they finished last year.
1: Yeah. And yeah I mean, I, yeah, I can see that, but I, I don't know. I like Jonathan Mechie returning from leukemia at a receiver. I think he's really talented. I like Pierce and Singletary as a combination in the backfield for D'Amico Ryans. So, I like, there is some pieces there. I, it's My prediction is basically that the Colts are going to Be a dumpster fire this year. I think they're just done. Gardner, if Jonathan Taylor doesn't come back, is their current rushing leader?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, (laughs) it's I'll I'll zig in on your zag there, where I I actually think Damian Pierce is going to disappoint quite a few fantasy owners this year. And and we've, we've seen the the Singletary movie play out already. So if you're relying on, on Pierce and Singletary in your backfield behind, you know, a one man offensive line, really like there's not a whole hell of a lot going on down there either. So, that, but again, that, I'm that's... drafting either guy
1: in any fantasy draft I'm doing. I just think as a combination, they can, if you combine their stats, they're like, ah, oh, that'd be a good RB too. So I yeah. think, like, together, yeah, they're going to have an okay year. But yeah, individually, I think they're going to very much disappoint. Um, so, yeah. a little fantasy tip for you guys there.
0: Yeah. Com- combined, maybe they'll <laughs> eclipse a thousand rushing yards this season. Exactly. They're yeah. both they're
1: like 650 yards and like four touchdowns.
0: Yeah. All right. Heading over to the NFC, which, you know, I mentioned it before. Like, I, I see some clear echelons here where guess what? I, I can tell you with confidence who, you know, the division winners are going to be the wildcard teams could kind of be anyone. Cause there, there's a whole mushy middle, but then there are some absolute doormats that are very clearly going to be finishing bot, not only bottom of their division, but you know, probably top five in the draft as well too. I think could be littered with NFC teams. So if we yeah. start with the beloved NFC East, anyone dethroned in the birds? Nope. Go birds. (laughs) Simple enough. (laughs) Simple as that. Uh, I just, I don't think Dallas
1: or the giants who finished second and third last year did enough to catch up to where the Eagles roster is on paper. Uh, Obviously anything can happen, um, but Jalen Hurts seems to be continuing to develop. They have the best offensive line in the league. Adrian Brown, Devontae Smith at running back. Dallas Goddard, if healthy, is a top three maybe tight end Uh, they rebuilt their running backs but like that offensive line is so good that it doesn't really make a difference Uh, their defense is good I think Jalen Carter is going to win defensive rookie of the year Jordan Davis is going to make a big difference Nolan Smith is looks like a steal of the draft The, the team just got so much better I just don't see how on paper they get dethroned here
0: yeah the uh, Philadelphia Bulldogs, they're certainly building quite the locker room up there from Georgia, but uh, same thing, you know, I, I'm in agreement with you on who's winning this division as well, too. I, I think it's the Eagles and then the also-rans, right? Like, everyone else is kind of fighting for second place, barring some catastrophic string of injuries to Philadelphia starters, but... I I could very much see Philadelphia making a very deep run into the playoffs. I don't want to put the cart before the horse. I'm going to knock on wood over here, but you know, this is a team without a ton of flaws and, you know, rumors on the street as well, too, could be seeing a a very similar process pattern, I guess from last year where CJ Gardner ended up getting added very late in the process And there's quite a few rumblings around some other safeties that are getting floated around. So Howie Roseman's definitely uh, not above continuing to add even this late into the process here. So you could be seeing some impact players kind of still make their Eagles debut this season, which is a scary thought for the rest of the division. Cowboys, I I think, are going to actually end up taking a step back. Um, You know, on paper, you can point to whatever you want. But at the end of the day, do we really think that Mike McCarthy having more control over the offense is a good thing? I don't think so. (laughs) Like, it's hard to see. And even the reports out of Dallas saying that Dak is going to be, you know, more freedom to do this and that. And well, the Dallas media kind of talks out of both sides of their mouth. Right, they're saying you know Kellen Moore, offensive genius, and da da da. But now that he's not there anymore, it's ah, he wasn't actually as as important to this offense as you would think. And oh, we're gonna give more control over to Dak, and you know that that's gonna unlock the offense. Well, they had a pretty decent offense last year, but Dak, for I, I believe it was the first time ever where a quarterback missed five games or more and still led the league in interceptions. Right, like. Unless you think that's a true anomaly and all of a sudden he's going to come back to, you know, second year in the league, (laughs) Dak Prescott, I I don't see too much improvement going on there. Right. So they're a team that's got some aging veterans, especially along their lines who, you know, they've been playing at some pretty high levels of football for multiple years. Is that going to continue forever? I don't know. We kind of saw a few of the cracks in the foundation last year. Is that going to get worse? Or do you believe that, you know, they're going to get healthier and you're drinking the Kool-Aid that they're just going to have a bounce back season? Either way, you split it. I don't see a roadmap for them eclipsing the Eagles. And in fact, I'm going to go as far as to say that the New York Giants are actually going to finish ahead of them. So I'm going to flip those two in the division this year. Two teams that I can't stand. But at the end of the day, I, I like more of what I see the direction that the Giants front office and coaching staff is going in than I do out of Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones and co down in Dallas.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. One of the biggest things I wrote down was moving on from Kellen Moore is probably the biggest mistake that the Cowboys made. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe in Dak Prescott a little bit more than you do. I think CD lamb, Brandon cooks and Michael Gallup returning like two years from his ACL tear. I think that's like a stud receiving group. Um, hopefully, Tom, Tony Pollard can make it through a whole season, but yeah, their offensive line, especially is, is it Zach Martin starting to hold out. Yeah, that's even a diminishing asset for a team that was kind of built behind that line. So, if he does hold out, like that unit is really going to be in trouble. Um, but yeah, there's, I just like you said, the biggest thing is Mike McCarthy, and I guess giving Brian Schottenhammer a paycheck to stand on the sidelines is probably the biggest. Uh, detriment to that team I'm not as sold on the Giants as you are though I don't understand what they're doing with their wide receiver room I don't know why they need 19 different slot receivers and Darren Waller I do like that they locked up Barkley for like one more year I, I really do like Brian Dable as a coach um, yeah four year 160 million dollars for Daniel Jones yeah uh, for 15 touchdowns like come on
0: well, I'm not going to be going out there and singing the praises of, guess what? You know, Daniel Jones is the answer there. But at the end of the day, they were kind of hamstrung by it. Would I have done it? No, but it it is what it is at this point. And I think you're probably going to end up seeing it costing them down the line. Is it going to cost them this year? Probably not. And the reason I think that they're at least trending in a more positive direction there, right, is again, saquon coming back is huge kind of burying that hatchet there he he is very much their offense but i like the addition of darren waller do i love the you know the term and the cap hit and all of that that he's going to be encompassing again no but it's not my money so i i don't really care nor is it my franchise to cheer for so (laughs) if they want to go ahead and make whatever long-term commitments and all of that more power to them but uh, from a production standpoint they got nothing out of the passing game last year right so adding at least you know kind of a, a big bodied receiver who can open up the middle is it going to turn daniel jones into an mvp candidate absolutely not but is it going to make his life easier 100 percent, right because again we, you mentioned evan ingram earlier no one would have believed that like how did you let this guy walk You know, when it happened, everyone kind of thought like, yeah, okay." he he kind of no shows when the spotlight's on him. But they really missed him last year. They got zero production out of the tight end spot, zero production out of any of their wide receiver group. Some of that's because of injury. Other of it's just, you know, Kenny Galladay, the corpse of Kenny Galladay trotting around out there. My God. But again, not my money, not my long term contracts that I'm handing out. But I really like Jalen Hyatt Uh, and the addition of a speed element that they really haven't had in a long time, I think is going to open some stuff up. And even if he's just out there running go routes and dragging some safeties and corners with him for some more, I guess, uncontested looks at this whole plethora of slot receivers and Darren Waller there there's something there at least that didn't exist in last year's passing game with a bunch of, you know, late season additions and undrafted free agents and grabbing people off the street to go out there and try and catch passes for him. I mean,
1: you could be right with Hyatt. I just, I just don't think he's going to be there this season. I don't think he's going to have enough of a reputation or be enough of a threat um, or Daniel Jones be accurate enough to throw it deep for defenses to back off. So like I I like I I'm a big Darren Wallen, Waller fan, but I just think the middle of their offensive field is just going to get too crowded with too many slot receivers all working in the same area and then you have to really rely on like pinpoint accuracy from Jones, which he don't do that.
0: No. Yeah, for for someone whose nickname is Danny Dimes, their uh <laughs> accuracy has never been his forte, but I mean that that leaves the Washington Commanders for last in the division. Uh, you know, I, I think they could be a fun team to watch this year, but I, I have absolutely no illusions of them finishing anywhere but the basement in the NFC East, not even sniffing a, you know, a wild card spot or anything like that either. And, you know, they went eight, eight, and one last year. Daniel Snyder is out of the building. Maybe there's some good vibes or something like that going around, but new owner coming in I, I it got approved so late in the process that he really didn't have time to do any kind of evaluations or anything like that so if i'm to make a prediction it's you know washington finishes in last they clear house ron rivera is gone new front office let's hit the reset button on this and really Washington's window to start competing probably starts opening in the next couple of years, but this season, I, I I wouldn't say they're, they're bad enough to bottom out and get, you know, a top five draft pick or anything like this, but they're kind of in that mushy middle with the Raiders where, you know, what's the ceiling for them? Seven wins.
1: And right now Vegas has their uh, win total at six and a half. So you're right on point there. Uh, Completely agree with everything you just said. I think it's one more kick of the can for Ron Rivera to collect another paycheck this year, see what he can get out of the younger kids, but it's gonna be more than likely Eric Biney's team next year. Um, I think he's probably already in line to take over. I think that hiring was kind of done as a desktop deal with the new ownership coming in that they wanted him there. Um, I really like a lot of the pieces of the commander's fantasy wise. They're going, like, at such a value. Like, you when Dotson is going so late mm-hmm. that they've taken him in all your drafts. Like, I don't know what you're picking there. Uh, he's just a monster. He finds touchdowns all the time. Um, Sam Howell can only do two things. He chucks it deep, and he runs. So, like, if you're in a two-quarterback league, he's definitely someone to be looking at. Um, and they're going to be behind every game, so they're just going to throw it. Yeah, uh, Dotson's going to have a great year, I think, Biennale is actually going to use Antonio Gibson as a receiver, which is like where he excels, and he's not a three-down back. He yeah. just sells a receiver. Let Brian Robinson punch it punch it in, but uh, Gibson should have a good year. They're not going to win a lot of games, but they're going to be really fun.
0: No. Yeah they're they're gonna be a, a fun. Okay, it's halftime at the game I'm actually interested in. I I I gotta watch 10 minutes of something else. Oh ah, yeah, okay, let's watch the commanders here, right? So everyone yeah. Johan Dawson are
1: worth watching just themselves. They are so good. I'm a huge fan.
0: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> There's they're still a few pieces away, right? And it'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of happens with some of their defensive players and you know do uh, you know you never really see a ton of action at the NFL trade deadline but in recent years it's picked up a little bit so you know is this going to be kind of a uh quote unquote audition for some of these players and new ownership could just be like all right let's you know try and get some assets out of these things and move on from them at midseason or are they just going to kind of walk in the off season, because I think there are some fundamental changes that are going to end up happening to this roster. I just don't know if it's going to be a complete tear down a retool, uh, you know, slap some paint on it and hope, hope to move forward. There are a lot of sliding glass door moments that could happen with Washington this year.
1: Yeah. It really feels like they're at that transition point where they just need to get rid of anything that Snyder has ever touched. And that was not a reference to the things he touches. (laughs) <laughs> but, but yeah it's just time for that that franchises to take over i mean sam Howell is probably never going to be a legitimate uh one or quarterback one but like look who they marched out the last few years is he really going to be that much worse
0: yeah exactly all right head note west here we got 49ers seahawks rams cardinals like, can we just get this off the top right now? Like we both think the Cardinals are probably going to be picking number one overall next year. Oh, big time. Yeah. This this is one of the most devoid of talent rosters in the entire NFL. And they were all too happy for Houston to say, Hey, can we, uh, you know, give you an extra first rounder next year? Cause this could very well be, you know, going out there, getting their franchise quarterback, maybe a, a high name weapon or an impact defensive player sell Kyler Murray off for spare parts and kind of really hit the reset button. Again, they, they've they got so many holes on their team that it's not just a, let's get a couple high draft picks next year. And suddenly we're competing in 2024. Like they're going to need a couple years of bottoming out to really turn this thing around. But yeah, Cliff Kingsbury and co uh, did quite a number on this franchise before they left to say the least. Before he took off, where's it? Where'd he go? Vietnam on a one uh, way to- Thailand or something? He went somewhere in Southeast Asia. I think he's just sitting on a beach or something.
1: My work here is done. I did great. Yeah, <laughs> Arizona's goal this year is to not win a game and have Kyler Murray play enough games before the trade deadline that someone will take him. That's yeah. all they're caring about. They'll take picks, they'll take like a bag of cash. They don't care, they just want him off the team, they want to lose. Uh, everyone is going to be available. Someone's going to maybe give a, like a seventh round pick to get James Connor. Uh, they just, there's nothing really there on that team anymore. So their over under win total is at 4.5. Are you going over on five? Like, you think?
0: Absolutely, absolutely not.
1: That's, absolutely not. That is free money right there. If you want to sign up and just bet the under hard. Yeah,
0: they they finished last year on a seven-game losing streak. I think they're probably going to start this year on a seven-game losing streak as well, too. Yeah. So, all right. Well, from them, like, we we don't need to spend much more time than that. Like, you know, Caleb Williams of USC, congratulations. You're probably (laughs) going to the desert, but um, from there, there I'm going Rams for third in the division here. Again, I I think there's going to be... If you look at it from a fantasy standpoint, if Cooper Cup can stay healthy, he's going to be putting up numbers there from an on field product. It's tough to reload when you're picking from like the fifth round on every year, right? Like they just had zero draft picks, any kind of capital. It was all gone. So they really were kind of taking some big swings at some names who for, for where they were picking, they did have a decent draft, but are they going to be players that are going to walk in and be day one NFL starters? That's, that's a pretty tall ask out of a bunch of sixth and seventh round picks here. So again, you know, Aaron Donald will be Aaron Donald. He'll probably be in the running for defensive player of the year, right up until the very end. If Matthew, yeah. St- yeah. If Matthew Stafford can stay healthy, like there, there's a roadmap that Cooper cup could be, leading the league in receptions and receiving yards and, you know, possibly even receiving touchdowns because the chemistry there is very much a real thing. And they just don't have a ton of other weapons beyond that. Like even in their backfield, you know, Sony Michelle announces retirement. So it's like cam acres and, you know, uh, you might end up seeing some of these high profile free agents that just don't get a contract. And then a week before the season are like, well, I guess I'll sign for, you know, Peanuts uh, out West and join the Rams. So uh, there could be some movement on that front, but even if they were to add several free agents, then there are some, not just at running back, but some fairly reputable names still without a contract that, that doesn't move the needle enough to get them past the Seattles and the San Francisco's, the division.
1: Yeah, I mean, they they had no, literally no cap space. They sat out free agency despite their aging core. Um, I'm blanking on the number. What is it? Like 92 players you bring to training camp, something like that. If you had to guess how many rookies they have at camp, what would your know number be? It's insane. Uh, 51? Okay. You were in a little high. I didn't think you'd go that high. Okay. <laughs> 40 rookies at camp. Okay. All right. <laughs> well,
0: well, you set me up with the, it's so insane. I'm like, okay, I got to go above 50% here, but it doesn't surprise me that like literally that many because yeah what, who else are you going to bring in it's either rookies or you know undrafted free agent they like, like you cast offs like yeah their first was,
1: I think it was in the third round and I think they used one of their high picks on like a kicker or something like yeah. they just have a shit ton of undrafted free agents they're like hopefully you can fill the roster spot buddy yeah but yeah I'm really worried about C- cups injury history that seems to be you know Seems to be an issue now. He's already left camp. Who knows how long that's going to linger. There's nothing behind him. Cam Akers just seems like he wants to get kicked off the team. And instead they just keep promoting him. (laughs) Yeah. So like, sure, I guess he's going to be there. Uh, Matt Stafford, who knows how many games he can get through before his neck or elbow fall apart. Like
0: the team just,
1: yeah, they're, they need to rebuild, but they're just too financially tied to all the players to actually do it. So they're kind of stuck.
0: Yeah. Well, they they need to uh, embrace the role that they're in there. And I can't remember what year was it there, but when was it that the Eagles had their open tryouts and then they made the Mark Wahlberg Invincible movie about it there? (laughs) They they need to start auditioning like construction workers and welders and just get anyone out there, have some fun with it.
1: Yeah, you got to get some bodies out there, I guess.
0: Yeah. So are you going 49ers to repeat the division or you got the Seahawks jumping them?
1: Uh, I actually flipped on this quite a bit. Um, and just as we started talking about this division, Elijah Mitchell now has an abductor injury. So there goes a little Niners depth at running back, but they, they lost some really key free agents this year, especially on defense, um, like two big edge rushers. They lost safety, Jimmy Ward. They lost Emmanuel Mosley, even though he missed a lot of the season due to injury last year. So like they are going to be, a defensive work in progress to start the season, but they're always so good on defense that I don't think it's going to really affect it. I don't think it matters who wins the quarterback competition. If it's Purdy or Darnold, I think they can be effective enough in this offense. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is just give their good players the ball. Yeah. Uh, so I, I ended up settling on the Niners to win the division and Seahawks to be right behind them.
0: Yeah, it it really is a toss up here. And, you know, I I know that it was a feel good story last year. You know, Geno Smith redemption tour, they go nine and eight. They sneak into the playoffs, all of that. But, you know, Niners put up 13 wins last season and went through every quarterback known to mankind as well, too. Right. So, like, even though they did lose quite a few players, they, they somehow and I still don't understand how this is where. Salary cap, like experts get paid big bucks because the amount of like circumventions and you know if we <laughs> defer this and turn this into a signing bonus and this that the other like yeah it's it's all Greek to me but may, somehow makes sense to them like how they're able to go out there and add like Hargrave and them um, yeah. to an already very fearsome defensive line you know yeah they, they might have lost a little bit in the secondary but did they get scarier up front possibly so it's it's tough to see anyone dethroning them i i again I, I want in my heart of hearts to say that seahawks overtake them i i see them ending up either losing out on a tiebreaker one win behind them i, I think it's going to be a dogfight fight atop that division because you know lockett metcalf and jsn is a really intriguing wide receiver trio there i, I think the thing that's really holding me back at this point is just I don't know who they're either strength and conditioning coach or medical staff or running backs coach, or if it's all three of them in conjunction, but why can a Seattle Seahawks running back never stay healthy?
1: I don't know. It's, it's shocking. Like I don't believe in DJ Dallas. I don't know about you, but uh, no, <laughs> no one does. <laughs> if He's going to be, your starting running back then. you, you're going to have a problem. Um, I think they drafted Charbonnet already assuming that something else was going to come up with Walker. Otherwise, I don't know why you would draft like use a second-run pick on Charbonnet. And now Charbonnet is actually more injured than Walker. So yeah. that's kind of an issue. Um, I don't think Geno Smith is going to replicate his amazing season last year. No. Uh, I think he's going to kind of regress to the mean a little bit, come back down to earth. I don't think he's going to be bad. I think he'll be solid. He... Struggles to make that like game winning play when they need it. So, kind of in those tight games, which they're going to have in this this conference, like he doesn't get those wins, which is why I ended up settling on the Niners just above the Seahawks. But yeah, that that trio at wide receiver is exciting.
0: Yeah. And the
1: defensive backfield is wild. Yeah. With a spoon, Tariq Woolen, Kobe Bryant, Condray Diggs. Like, I'm excited to watch that.
0: Yeah. Second coming... <laughs> Yeah. Second coming of the Legion of Boom there. Right. Yeah. And it, 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 I I think it's literally because exactly what you mentioned in terms of Geno Smith, he's going to regress, I think, a little bit back towards what we've seen out of his game tape for the first, you know, X number of years of his career. Right. Like we we know which one's the anomaly and which one to really expect there. But even when he was putting up the numbers last year, like Seattle under Pete Carroll has always been one of the most run heavy teams in the NFL, regardless exactly. of who's been back there, right? <laughs> Whether it's been Marshawn Lynch or Rashad Penny or, you know, Kenneth Walker, it, all of them have literally had a fairly healthy dose of touches, regardless of who suits up. And just that uncertainty before even week one, yeah, I, I can't in good conscience put them ahead there. But an interesting thought experiment has nothing to do with the division itself. But just looking around the entire NFC, even if you are to assume that Geno Smith takes a step backwards, how many quarterbacks do you put in the NFC ahead of him right now? Uh,
1: In the NFC ahead of Geno Smith. Going to go Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Derek Carr.
0: So I said that with conviction. <laughs>
1: Probably Dak Prescott. Um, hmm. A healthy Matt Stafford. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a big, big request right there. Uh, you, I mean, Justin Fields for a fantasy perspective.
0: Yeah, uh, but the, like, like that's to my point, right? Like the amount that you could confidently be like, yeah, hundred percent, like you know, what hurts for sure. Yeah. I I would say cousins as much of a bad rap as he gets that, you know, I, I would put him ahead of him there. And then outside of that, everyone else has warts right like you want friggin desmond ritter or Derek carr or bryce young or Maybe like jared goff has been consistent enough the past couple of years
1: i'd consider that
0: oh i would take geno smith over jared goff any day of the week there N- neither one of them is anyone to write home about but you know if if i had one game to win uh, i'm i'm going with him but uh What's that? Yeah, Kyle Trask. Yeah, there you go. That's if he can beat out Baker Mayfield for the starting position. Like, but that's just it, right? Like, Geno Smith, even if he does come back to the mean, is he a top? He could be a top five quarterback in the entire conference right there, even with a regression. So there's something to be said about their out of division schedule and that that's where they could probably make up a lot of those those wins and you know maybe they don't beat the niners and the niners end up getting that tie break that way because they end up beating the seahawks twice this year and and Ooh. that could very well be it but i i see them being razor close this year and you know what hey it, they could end up being you know the number one overall wild card just based on who else is available in the conference
1: i mean yeah that defense alone can can get them to close to 10 wins so I just think the the Niners will be like eleven wins. I think I think it's razor close with the Seahawks and Niners. But yeah. I'm excited to watch watch Seattle's defense play this year.
0: Wow. <laughs> Heading up north, we got the Vikings, Lions, Packers, and Bears. So the aforementioned Kirk Cousins, you know, the sexy pick all offseason has been all right. It's the Lions' year. It's the Lions' year. Is it the Lions here? Do you, are you going with them to win it? Or do you see them taking a step forward, but not quite winning the division?
1: Uh, I actually do have the Lions winning the division. I just, I, I think they're going to slightly like they finished nine and eight last season. There's fine. They end of the season hot. I think they can improve by one or two wins. And I just really don't expect the Vikings to go 13 and four. <laughs> Yeah, like they went eleven enough, eleven and zero in one score games last year. Like that's not going to happen again.
0: Yeah. So
1: you take off a few of those wins for them, give the Lions like with their natural progress, natural progress like as they're they're developing as a team. I think that the Lions edge out the Vikings.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, and again, it's it's a coin toss with those two. Anyone who's you know on the Chicago Bears hype train there, like. I see them being a hell of a lot better than three and 14, but I don't see them going from doormat to division winner in year one. Right. So yeah. Packers, I've got them finishing dead last in the division. I've got absolutely zero faith in Jordan love. Guess what? If he goes out there and you know lights the world on fire, I'll be the first one to admit that I was wrong. I've got zero stock in Jordan Love right now. So he would be very much proving me incorrect if he does anything up in Green Bay. I think they're gonna probably be in the market for a quarterback pretty soon. And you know, if they bought him out this year, could be even, you know, this upcoming draft that they're looking to address that. So I have them as the doormat, I have the Bears as number three. I have the Lions getting to, I want to say, 10 or 11 wins. And I have the Vikings regressing a little bit, but not so much just because, you know, weak NFC across the board there. And I have them at 11 wins. So it's really going to come down to, you know, can Detroit reach their full potential? Or are they still going to have those Lions-isms that they, they stumble out of the gate or they shoot themselves in the foot in the you know midseason injury bug bites them whatever you know dan campbell I, i've been on record and i've said it <laughs> multiple times guess what i would love to go have a beer with dan campbell i think he would probably be the most interesting person from a head coaching position in the league to sit down with and talk football that being said you know do i view him as some sort of offensive or defensive savant not really so if they get to the playoffs guess what that uh, that wouldn't surprise me but do i see them rattling off in which in my mind 12 wins puts you clear of the vikings do i see the lions going 12 and 5 this year i can't quite get there so i'm gonna go vikings and then lions right right behind them probably coming right down to the final weeks of the season but the vikings ultimately edging them out because you know they they did lose some some key pieces to that offense and defense and they've definitely got some holes there but I really am intrigued by Jordan Addison lining up across the field opposite of Justin Jefferson there I think we saw you know guess what a homegrown talent Adam Thielen fan favorite but he was a corpse out there last year like I had him on fantasy and Aside from the odd touchdown, like he was almost undeployable. Like if if he did not get a touchdown, he was going for like 30 yards. And I think you can comfortably pencil Addison in for 50 plus yards a game. You know, just brings a different element to that offense. A full year of having TJ Hawkinson as well, too, I think is really going to improve that offense because he used that weird midseason addition. Still don't know why the Lions cast him off there, but he's now going to have some time to actually get integrated into that offense and be a key weapon for him.
1: Yeah. um, I I mean, I I completely agree with everything you said about the Vikings offense. I think Addison is going to be a huge step up. I think Dillon and Carolina was the worst contract given out this year. Um, I do like Hawkinson. I think he's going to be good, but like I said, I just, I can't, I just can't get behind the Vikings winning 11 one score games. I just can't see it. Um, Also, I they have the Bears win loss at seven point five. I find that ridiculously high.
0: Yeah, Oh, it's it's been bet up because it's a huge media market, right? So all, all these Bear fans are trying to go out there, and you know, they're literally manipulating the line. Is essentially what it is. Vegas does not truly believe that <laughs> the Bears are potentially going to win eight games this season. It's the fact that they're now hedging their bets, you know, to cover their losses. But it. I don't understand the hype behind the bears whatsoever. I, it, I, like I said, better than three and 14, not going to be vying for a division title. Cause if you're telling me that they're potentially, you know, crux point there is eight wins, right? I don't see them being five wins better this year. Can they get to six? Sure right? But are they going to be a nine and eight or, you know, team? I, I don't see any real roadmap for that even as weak as their division and the NFC as a whole really is.
1: Yeah, I, I, like I, I like what Chicago is doing. I like their approach this year. I like how they got D.J. Moore and then flipped some picks and drafted um, his name? Darnell Wright, the offensive lineman. They have Carolina's first round pick next year. They're doing a lot of things right, but they just their roster is so flawed that there's no way they're going to get to eight wins this year. Yeah, and I probably believe in Jordan Love slightly more than you seem to. I didn't realize that, like, you think he's the worst quarterback of all time. <laughs> uh, but like, who do they have on their roster? Like, they have they drafted a second round rookie, Jalen Reed. He's not been talked about once in training camp. So they have Kristen Watson. And a very inconsistent Romeo dubs at wide receiver. So that's a pretty awful wide receiver room Two rookie tight ends that they drafted high. Like we all know how rookie tight ends do. They are very thin at cornerback. They're just a really, really flawed team. I do like Matt Lafleur as a coach. Um, this might be the first time he can actually run his offense without Aaron Rodgers telling him what to do. So it'll be, interesting to see what he can do with love and that offense but yeah I have them finishing last in the division as well
0: yeah yeah <laughs> I I have them comfortably last in the division there because being a dogfight with the Bears I don't see the Bears winning too many games I don't see them either but I genuinely like it. if the Packers went four and 13 this year would it surprise you nope but it wouldn't surprise me if the Bears went the same yeah I, I think Chicago's improved enough to be you know an intriguing team, but not enough to get, be getting that much love in Vegas. Right. It's, it's clearly just a line, you know, hedging the bets to make sure that if the bears do end up going on some run that they're, they're not bankrupt in their casino, but yeah. NFC South heading down there to literally the most wide open division. Yeah. Arguably in pro sports right now, because there, there's a case to be made that any of these teams could either win the division or, or select first overall in the draft?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, This one, I think I switched my leader four different times. The one team I never put, and uh, actually that stayed at the bottom, is Tampa Bay. I think Tampa is going to fight with Arizona for the first overall pick. If you're having a quarterback battle of Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield, you're in trouble. Their offensive line was really bad and really hurt last year. Huge transition season. I think they're going to try to move on from Mike Evans and Chris Godwin at some point. That team is just all right. We we went all in, won a championship with Brady, then we tried to go all in again, and now they're paying for it. So it's it's time to just do another reset. You got your ring, time to time to restart.
0: Yeah. Very much the same route of you know what we saw happen with the Los Angeles Rams, right? Took some huge swings. Emptied the cupboards draft wise, you won your championship. That's great, but there's a cost of doing business there, right? and you know I think the one kind of difference that we're seeing between you know what Tampa did and what the Los Angeles Rams did versus what Kansas City did last year. Eagles were one win away from doing that is when you look at what k c and Philadelphia have done, it's largely been players they've drafted developed in-house and then cheap veteran contracts right whereas what the rams and and the bucks did was they brought in veterans at these expensive contracts which then ended up you know Exactly. Right. So they've got no picks and now they've got these giant voids left by several years of not drafting high in these drafts. And you're kind of seeing that play out. So I'm right there with you. Buccaneers are probably going to be finishing last in this division. Um, You know, but just by sheer volume of who they're playing against, even last in the division, there's a roadmap for them to get to maybe four wins. Right. But Uh, I I think top three or top five uh, draft pick this year is probably in the cards for them, depending on what happens in sort of that AFC South there. There could be some bottom outs going on over there, but there's definitely a world in which they're having a very, very early selection next spring.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I don't see see them having a positive year at all. Uh, I just had to look up to make sure they actually did have their first round pick next year, so. (laughs)
0: well there you go (laughs) that's good for him um yeah and then from there it really is coin toss it's pick your poison right we we saw Derek Carr flame out in Los Angeles or Las Vegas and you know now is he going to be able to turn things around in New Orleans is Alvin Kamara going to be suspended for the whole season half a season no suspension at all there's a lot of variability going on there Falcons have the most run-heavy offense in the world and have arguably the most enticing, you know, running back prospect in college football recent history coming out in Bijan Robinson. So they're going to be entertaining as hell to watch, but I I can't get a feel for what their vision really is offensively because they keep going out and acquiring these high-end, you know, pass-catching options in, you know, Kyle Pitts and Drake London but they st- still seem so committed to, but we're also going to run the ball, you know, 40 times a game. So uh, I, it's hard to see their roadmap. They, they've they got such a variance of possible outcomes there where I could very much see them winning in the division. I could see them also finishing third in the division, which is the same argument you can make for the Panthers who kind of threw bad money after good money this year. As you said, uh, the, that Adam Thielen signing. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Can't, can't figure that one out. Obviously, you know, young group, they were looking to kind of replace DJ Moore's spot in the lineup there. But, you know, did they need to do that? Like, were they watching Minnesota Vikings games last year? I'm not sure. But, you know, they're going to have rookie quarterback. They've got some talent. What they have that some of the other teams in this division don't have is a legitimate defense, though. So that's for that reason alone, I'm actually going to be going – Panthers, Falcons, Saints, but I have the Saints and Falcons finishing with the exact same record, so who knows what the tiebreak will be. But uh, I'm going to go Panthers to win the NFC South in 2023.
1: Yeah, uh I have the Panthers finishing third.
0: Ah, there we go. Talk to me.
1: Uh I I I don't love what they did in the offseason. Uh, I don't trust uh Bryce Young in his rookie year to lead them to many victories. I think that a team is really devoid of a lot of talent. Be sure they have some defensive pieces, um, but just their offense is going to be really poor. I don't fully believe in Miles Sanders. I think he was carried by the best offensive line in the league last year. So I don't think he's going to be a real game changer. Although Frank Reich will probably properly utilize him in the past game. I just, I don't see a lot of wins coming from that team. The saints, I like, I do think Derek Carr is an upgrade Uh quarterback so they have a little path to get to that seven eight nine wins I think if Kamara is suspended Kondre Miller can handle it for a few games it's not like Kamara was really running rag like running rough shot all over defenses last year he's kind of been wearing down so I think Kendra Miller was a good pick by them they play the Jags division so like you're gonna beat up on Houston you're gonna beat up on Indy so there's a few extra wins there
0: yeah, but, but so is everyone in the division, though. So how is that a plus for them and not a plus for everyone else?
1: Uh, because I don't think Carolina could beat those teams. Oh my god! <laughs> but Atlanta, I just see them running. Like I was, I was going to say, if you're going to put Atlanta's run game against Houston, you're going to put Atlanta's run game against, like, even Tennessee. They're not good against the run. Like, they're just going to run over teams. And they're going to, like, somehow sneak their way into, like, nine, ten wins and win the division.
0: So, you're going, what, Atlanta, Saints, and then Panthers is what you're doing.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, man. I think,
1: also, a side note, I don't think Desmond Ritter is going to finish the season as the Falcons starting quarterback.
0: Oh, you, you could tell me that you're going to finish the season as the starting quarterback for them, and I would believe you because all it is is someone to take the snap and then hand it off, right? Like, yeah. So, who, who do you think? Is it going to be, you know, a, a veteran addition or is there someone in house that's going to take over that role? Because I, I just don't see what other options they have. I'm so shocked that they haven't addressed this, you know, via off season edition or at the draft itself.
1: Well, I mean, I, I really hate the guy, especially when he uh, gave the Eagles their first loss last year on that bullshit penalty. But Taylor Heineke, Tyler Heineke is signed as their backup and he's probably better than Ritter.
0: Uh, Well, I mean, we we've seen what he's done up in Washington. So it's, you know,
1: he can hand that ball off so well.
0: Yeah right hey, that's all you need for for atlanta right but, but yeah. that's it really is speaking to the point where this is the division where you could talk me into any single one of those outcomes. Yeah. The only one you're not gonna talk me into is that all of a sudden the bucks are gonna right the <laughs> ship right like i i I think as you mentioned earlier, it's probably gonna be right heading up into that trade deadline. You could see some wide receivers move, maybe you could even see some of their defensive pieces moved and really strip this thing down and- yeah full, full, full reset coming in the off season forum. And last year, eight and nine won the division. So yeah. we're not talking like someone needs to improve by five wins to get up there. Right. Everyone else went seven and 10. So if you can, it's whoever can improve by two wins. If you get to nine wins, you're, you're sitting probably pretty in the NFC. So yeah.
1: And Atlanta like actually went out and they did pretty good in free agency. They improved their defense. Um, I've already said his name probably twice today. I love Jesse Bates as a safety. He's he's a great pickup. They got like three more defensive linemen. Um, even though Clayus Campbell is like thirty nine or thirty seven right now or something, but he is a good veteran pres- presence that can be used in a rotational role. And you know, Drake London and Kyle Pitts are apparently are really good if someone could throw them in the ball.
0: That's the exact thing that ultimately talks me out of putting the Falcons first and I had them first at one point. And then like you say, I flip flopped, uh, you know, uh, several times on it, but it's just, if they get behind or a team somehow finds a way to creatively stack the box that the run game's not working, they have nothing to fall back on right? Whereas at least, you know, hey, he went first overall for a reason there. So, like, Bryce can do it. He might be a little bit smaller than your prototypical quarterback, but he can scramble. He's pinpoint accurate. He can throw the ball. He comes from a big-time program. We've seen him do it in the big games. So, I I have a hard time believing that he's not going to adapt well at the NFL level. You you mentioned they don't have a ton of weapons, and I'll, I'll concede that fact as well, too, right? Like, Miles Sanders didn't score a touchdown an entire season then was behind arguably one of the best offensive lines in the entire league and suddenly that's how he parlayed it into this big money contract that he got in the off season is he the second coming of barry sanders absolutely not right but between him and a few other pieces on offense i think it's just enough for them to be able to move the ball and that defense is going to hold them in games. Like I don't see Carolina being in a whole hell of a lot of track meets this year. I think you're going to see a lot of ugly football getting played and a lot of like, you know, 17-14 scores and 13-10s and, you know, bet the under heavily if there's ever a bunch of NFC South teams squaring off against one another is what I'm getting at.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. They did sign Von Bell and yeah, uh, their defense is good, but I mean, unless Jonathan Mingo takes a huge step in his rookie year, I just, they can't even move the ball where Atlanta can run it. And that was kind of the, and like I said, right before we started this, I changed this like six times. So I, I'm trying to defend Atlanta, but I don't really, I'm not passionate about them winning it.
0: Yeah. There's, there's a lot of holes in all of these rosters. So there's a range of outcomes that can definitely happen. But here's a fun fact.
1: Kyle Pitts has more drops in his career than touchdowns. Yeah. It's really bad. I thought he was supposed to be a superstar. I'm just waiting for this alleged breakout that he's supposed to have because he does not look very good.
0: Wow. Rookie season nearly set NFL records there. But he got One touchdown, man. He only got one touchdown. Yeah. Because they don't throw him the ball. And then they used him in a blocking role all last year. Like Kyle Pitts fantasy owners have every right to be livid with him. And just never again, right? After having to watch him for an entire season, yeah. the talent is there. He's just being utilized wrong, yeah. is what it ultimately comes in, which is so surprising because Arthur Smith was a tight end coach before he became head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. So I don't know how that all played out, but, anyways.
1: Yeah, just from a fantasy perspective, I don't see that changing this year.
0: Well, I was going to say, like, more drops than touchdowns. Doesn't he only have, like, three career touchdowns or something like that? (laughs) It's a fun fact. Yeah. There you go. Fun bit of (laughs) trivia. Yep. All right. Well, Devin, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. Tell all the folks that are listening where they can find all of your fantasy football advice and all the content that you're putting out on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, so we're getting loaded up for the fantasy season, going to start some weekly articles, probably three separate days a week of just recurring injury updates, waiver wire pickups once your season gets going, and just some Monday rumblings of everything. So if you're missing anything in during training camp, you can check us out at Dine's Press Pressbox. Uh, and then just any breaking news, I will be on it all season because fantasy football is the only thing I look at now.
0: Be sure to check out dinespressbox.com and we can follow along for all the fun this season. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Dine Sports Podcast on the Dine Sports Podcast Network. As always, a huge shout out goes to our guest today, Devin Glant from DinesPressBox.com for stopping by and giving us all of his prognostications about the upcoming NFL season. For more of his content, you can visit DinesPressBox.com or give him a follow on social media as he's churning out content all the time. If you're a football fan or a fantasy football fan, odds are he's got you covered. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube page as well for more great video content, behind the scenes, interviews, in-depth breakdowns, and more. Got some more great guests coming up for you guys next week. Until then, stay safe. We'll see you in a bit.